Welcome to Kuhau Podcast. We thank you for tuning in. If this is your first time listening in with us, we want you to know that you are a part of a new loving family. Wherever you're joining us from, we hope that this message encourages you and transforms your life. Now stay tuned for today's message. I'm ready to preach. Uh, I want to talk to you. This might be the last message in this series. And, and I believe that if you are single here today, and if you are in a committed relationship, and, and if you are married, I promise you, this is what the Holy Spirit spoke to me. This, merit, this message is going to help heal some people today. I don't know where your relationship is right now. Maybe your relationship is, well, I don't even, I just keep stepping into the wrong relationships, therefore I'm single. Maybe your relationship, hey, we're committed, but we want to step into marriage and we don't know what this looks like right now. Uh, Sometimes when you don't know how to do things God's way, it's easy for you to default to what you've always been shown. And if you're married here today, I believe that no matter where you are with your husband or your wife, God is going to heal some people today. I really believe that. And so I just want to preach for us, to us, maybe about 35 minutes, but I want to spend about five minutes allowing God to heal us at the end of this message. Is that all right? How many know that no matter how good we look on Instagram, no matter how good we look in the mirror, how many know the inside of us sometimes needs some deep healing, right? So today's week five, and we've been talking about building our relationship on a solid foundation. And for the five weeks, I mean, this message has really blessed me. I've been putting these things to practice. Because for the first five years of my marriage, we were the kind of relationship that built our house on sand. We knew the word of God, we heard it, but we never applied it in our everyday life. And in order for you to become good at something, you need to put it into practice. And, and for the first five years, that's what we did. But then we began to build our house on a solid rock. How do you do that? By hearing God's word and putting it into practice. Amen? Today's verse is going to come over to Matthew chapter 18. If you, ha- if you have your Bibles, you can just flip over to Matthew chapter 18. If you don't have a Bible here today, that's okay. We can provide you one at the end of this service. Or you can read along with us here. And it says, Then Peter came to Jesus asking, Lord, if my brother keeps on sinning against me, how many times do I have to forgive him? Now, Peter might have been one of the few disciples that was married. I had a feeling, I have a feeling, that he may not have been talking about his brother. He may have been talking about his wife. You know, anybody know what I'm talking about? Like, like, Lord, 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 can I, I just, how many times do I got to forgive my, I mean, my brother, can I, how many, how many times do I got to forgive my brother? And Jesus says, he says seven times, Jesus says, no, not seven times, but 70 times seven. Peter was not even close, right? This is the apostle Peter being introduced to the concept or the idea of forgiveness. Now, the apostle Paul who was once known as Saul and really was known as a murderer of Christians, writes this. He goes, get rid of all bitterness, all rage, and all anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and patient to one another. Watch this. Forgiving each other. 
just as Christ, God forgave you. Here's what we need to know about happy relationships is that a happy relationship is the union of two good forgivers. I'm going to say that again, that a happy, life-giving, successful relationship that is going to last is going to be a relationship that has two, not one, has two good forgivers. Because if you are in a relationship, let me let you know something. You're going, your forgiveness level will be tested. Can't wait till we get an organ player. I'm going to preach when we... Your forgiveness standard will be tested. And if we are going to have relationships that are done and founded in God's way, you're going to have to learn how to overlook offenses. There are some offenses that we're going to have to learn how to overlook. There are some offenses that we're going to have to forgive. You're, a relationship that will succeed will be a relationship that has two good forgivers. For there is no love without true forgiveness. And there is no true forgiveness without true love. So what I want to do for us today in the next few moments is that I want to preach this message entitled, Two Good Forgivers. And I want to define what forgiveness actually is in the biblical sense. Amen? Would you bow your heads with me and pray? Heavenly Father, we thank you for these next few moments that we have together. Lord, I thank you, Lord, that you have given us this privilege of regathering once again after seven months. And it is a journey uphill, but through your grace, your grace is enough. We love you and we thank you. And I'm still married to the hottest woman on the planet. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Come on, can we give God a shout of praise in this room? Hey, how many of you know that if you've been in any kind of relationship, you have been misunderstood in some way, shape, or form? You know what I'm talking about? Like, have you ever said something and they understood something completely different? You know what I'm talking about? Like, like you say one thing, but they understand something else. Like, nah, that, nah, bro, that's not what I said. That's what you heard, but that's not what I said, right? Or how about this? How about when someone says something to you, and they might use the right words, but you know what they really mean. You know what I'm saying? Like, they say the right words. Like, I'll give you an example. When Lisa tells me, I'm, like, when I say, honey, could you hurry up? And she goes, I'm almost ready. Now, I know she said, I'm almost ready. But my interpretation is, I'll be ready when I'm ready. It might be 10 minutes. It might be 30 minutes. It might be an hour. You're going to have to wait. Matter of fact, wait for me in the car. That's what, that's what I interpret, okay? Now, she does the same thing. I know this. I know this for a fact because I know when I tell Lisa, when I look at her and I say, honey, we need to talk. See, I said the right words. I say we need to talk, but I know that's not what she heard. I know it. I know when I say we need to talk, she hears, oh, we need to talk? You mean you need to talk and you need me to sit down, shut up, and listen. That's what you mean. You say we need to talk. And I'll give you another example. When, when it's late at night, midnight, maybe about 1230 at midnight, and my phone goes off. And I get, look, all the ladies, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, oh, wow, oof, oof. 
midnight and my phone goes off and Lisa tells me, Pastora Lisa, Pastor Lee tells me, who's texting you? Now, I know she says who's texting you, but you, know you want to know what I hear? Can I tell you? She says who's texting you, but I hear it's midnight. It's after midnight, so this better be an emergency, and it better be somebody I know. And most importantly, it better not be some chick thinking that she can text you at all hours of the night. Who does she think she is? Matter of fact, what's her number? That's what I... That's what I hear. I think it's amazing how you can say something and something else can be missed, something else can be understood. I think it's amazing how we can say certain things but understand something else, that we can use the right words but still have the wrong impression. It's amazing how we can use the right words but still have the wrong impression. And this is what, this is what my thought was, that isn't it, could it be that many times we are getting the wrong impression when it comes to forgiveness. That we could read the words forgiveness and we can hear the word forgiveness. And when we hear it, sometimes we think it's an impossible task because we may have the wrong impression of what forgiveness is. And so when we hear a, a Bible verse like Peter asking how many times should he forgive and he says 70 times 7, we are like, you are bugging, but could it be? Could it be because we have the wrong impression of what forgiveness is? When we hear the Apostle Paul say to forgive as Christ forgave, could it be that we think it's impossible? No, we ain't doing that. Why? Because we have the wrong impression of forgiveness. And could that be because we think and we have believed the lies about forgiveness? I think sometimes we have the wrong impression of forgiveness, and so could it be that we think it's impossible? Maybe, just maybe, it's because we think that forgiveness is to excuse or minimize the offense. That's not what forgiveness is. Maybe, just maybe, we think it's because forgiveness is to forget and erase what happened. Maybe it's because the reason, maybe why we think forgiveness is impossible is because we think that forgiveness means to restore trust immediately. Maybe it's because we think that forgiveness means that we don't feel any pain. See, sometimes we feel like, no, I can't forgive. I still have the pain. And can I tell you something about forgiveness? That forgiveness is actually the first step for you to be healed from that pain. It may be that in the next six months you may be healed from that pain, but you can release forgiveness in a moment. And then your healing begins. Could it be that maybe we think that forgiveness is only offered to those that deserve it? Could it be that we think that forgiveness is only to the offender that apologizes? And I think so many times when it comes to relationships, our relationships end up suffering because we have the wrong impression of forgiveness. And so when we hear forgiveness, we're like, no, I don't think I could do that. I don't like to, to like forgive my husband, to forgive. And, and our relationships end up walking in unforgiveness instead of walking in the freedom of forgiveness. See, a successful relationship can only be a relationship with two good forgivers. See, a marriage without forgiveness is like, hear me, a marriage without forgiveness is like trying to run the motor of a car without oil. See, so many times we're trying to get the car started, and the car will run if love 
is the motor of your relationship, then, oil, then forgiveness is the oil that allows that motor to run smoothly. Like when I was, when I was um, about 18 years old, I, I bought my first car. Uh, 1988, ready for this? Chevrolet Lumina. I bought it, mira, see, cash. All right? I bought that cash. I saved up and I bought it and I drove out of the, out of the parking lot with it and I felt like I was, man, I was the man. And that thing was running smoothly for six months. And six months down the line came and when that... <laughs> When that car didn't start for me anymore, I was like, man, the car broke. I don't know what happened. 18 years old, don't judge me. I'm just saying. I was 18 years old. Somebody came by the house. They said, man, you have no oil in this car. And I said, what do you mean oil? I'm supposed to put oil? I was raised in church. I only got like the holy oil that's inside. Like, what are we, what are we talking about here? And he's like, no, this thing needs motor oil because if, 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 if you don't have motor oil inside this motor, the motor can't run. And too many of us are trying to run on love but not using the oil of forgiveness to allow that motor to run. This is why that proverb in, in chapter 17 says, it says, love prospers where forgiveness, where faults are forgiven. Oh, that's powerful. Love prospers where faults are forgiven. If you want love to prosper in your life, if you want love to, to flow smoothly in your relationship, man, we need to become better for Givers, And so what I want to do is I want to, I want to kind of define for us what real forgiveness is. Because I think that we can't become better at something unless we know what it really is. And we have to understand it by its proper context. And in a biblical sense, this is what forgiveness is. I want you to write the first thing down about forgiveness. Number one, write this down. Forgiveness, real forgiveness, is unconditional. Write that down. You can put that on your notes. Real forgiveness is unconditional. Which means that real forgiveness, hear me, is not dependent on the person who's offended you. It's about to get real. Where the crickets at? Did we get the crickets, the sprops? Our online audience, could we talk to them right? I'll talk to the Every time I get no amens, I'm just talking to the online audience. <laughs> just like, just guys. Real forgiveness is unconditional. It's unconditional. It's not dependent on the person who offended you. It's not dependent or earned or deserved by them. It's not based on how good they will respond or if they will even reciprocate. Or it's not dependent even if they won't change or change or receive or receive the apology or receive the forgiveness that you've extended to them. It's not I will forgive you if. No, 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 no. Real forgiveness is unconditional. And I know, I know some of us are right now, we're like, Pastor Roe, what are you talking about? Pastor Roe, you lost me already. There is no way that I'm going to forgive. For, for, forgive what? You, you, you trying to tell me that I need to forgive? No, no. If I'm going to forgive, they better come to me on their hands and knees singing to me a boys to men song with some flowers. And, when, and right there when they're at the brim, they're going to be like, I'm sorry. I'm like, it's too late to apologize. It's too late. 
Like, and I hear you. Like, listen, I get it. If you're watching online, listen, I get it. But that's why we need to learn how to reimagine forgiveness for what it truly is. See, real forgiveness is unconditional and is not dependent of the person. Because if we allow forgiveness to be dependent on another person, then that means that we have given that person the right, the authority, and the decision-making power for the freedom and the healing that we have to experience. See, my forgiveness is a gift that I release, not a reward for your remorse. When you understand that forgiveness, I know it's like, we've, I, I've never heard forgiveness like this. But in a relationship, Lisa and I now make nine years together. Come on, somebody. That's nine years, y'all. Nine years. And let me tell you, it's only in the last four years that we've learned how to understand what true forgiveness is, that True forgiveness is unconditional, and it's not dependent on your remorse. It's dependent on God's grace over my life. You have to understand true forgiveness, and it's not minimizing the hurt. It's not excusing the behavior. It's not erasing the memory. It's not erasing the experience. It's not erasing the offense. It's simply raising the volume on the grace that you've received. <sighs> See, when we look at the passage of Scripture where Peter is spoken to, he asks a question. He's like, Master, how, how, how many times do I got to forgive somebody? How many times? Could you please let me know how many times I got to forgive somebody? I'm going to forgive them seven times. Is that a good number? Like, I love that because he's trying to be, like, super spiritual. Because in the law, you're only supposed to be, forgive people about three times in a day. Here comes Peter. He says, I'm going to be super spiritual. It's like when you want to be spiritual, he's like, how long should I pray, Lord? About six and a half hours? Like, you're trying to be like, you know, like, I'm trying to get a sticker at the end of the class. You know what I mean? Like, right? Like, that's what I want to do. And, and he's like, Peter, Peter's like, want to get a sticker. Um, should, I, should I forgive about seven times? And he's like, seven times? Bro, 70 times seven. Now, this is powerful because then he goes into a, he goes into a story. He goes, 70 times seven, but here's why. Look, the, the, forgiveness, here's why. Because forgiveness is like, is like the kingdom of God. Ooh, that's powerful right there. He's like, I saw this and this blew me away. He says, the, he says, forgiveness is like, it's like the kingdom of God had a king. Why? Because forgiveness is not something that we can do within our own physical, carnal, fleshly capabilities. Can I tell you something? When you're trying to forgive by your own capabilities... And your own willpower, can I tell you, when you try to do forgiveness in the flesh, you will always expect fleshly responses. You'll always have fleshly expectations. When you do forgiveness in your own willpower and by your own standards, you will always have carnal expectations. And you'll want somebody to be a lot more remorseful than they are and they you again give them the control of having the power to your healing when you try to do it by your own strength. But Jesus says, no, 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 forgiveness is something that you have to tap into the kingdom of God in order for you to release true, authentic, genuine, real forgiveness. Does anybody want to experience that forgiveness in this house? 
He says, there's a king, and, 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 you know, the king, he wants to settle his accounts, and there's a servant that comes to him, and he owes him about approximately, some scholars say, about a, uh, $2 million. Some even believe maybe a trillion, upwards of $2 million, they say. And he says he wants to settle these accounts, and this servant says, hey, I can't afford to pay this. And so what the king offers him is that he offers him uh, selling his family, which was something that was common during that time. This is not an evil king. This is a good king. And the king says, hey, I'm going to offer you to be able to pay it back through your works, through your... To me, that's a picture of the law. It's a picture of religion. And he says, no, no, I can't do that. And the king says, look what the Bible says here. The Bible says, and the king felt sorry for him, so he forgave him the debt and let him go. Can you look at that for a second? Did you notice that the king did not minimize the debt? Did you notice that the king did not say, oh, no, 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 it's not that you don't owe me anything. No, no, the king understood that there was a debt to be. He acknowledged that there's a debt that was owed. He acknowledged that there was a cost to be paid. The king did not minimize the debt. So many times we think that forgiveness is just minimizing or normalizing the offense. And the only time that we are able to forgive is that when we are able to minimize the offense significantly. It's when we begin to rationalize the offense. It's when we be, you, you ever done this? You're like, you know somebody hurt you and you're like, no, nah, it was nothing. You lying. Right? Like, no, no, that's okay. Meanwhile, you're dealing with it. You're dealing with the hurt. Because you think that forgiveness, the only way you can forgive is by minimizing the offense. No, no, you hurt me. You offended me. You did something you shouldn't have said. You said you didn't do something you should have done. Like, you have offended me. You have abused me. You have said something you shouldn't have said. That is legitimate. You don't minimize the debt. But here's the thing that you need to understand about unforgiveness, uh, unconditional forgiveness. And it's this. It's not excusing the behavior. It's stopping the behavior from destroying your heart. Forgiveness is not saying that the person didn't do the crime. It's saying that you're not going to allow yourself to remain in the prison of being a victim forever. Forgiveness is not minimizing the hurt or minimizing the offense or minimizing what they've done. It's maximizing the grace of God in your life. For those of us that are watching online, I want you to know that true forgiveness, if we ever want to experience, it is a gift that we give freely, not a reward to someone's remorse. See, when you look at the king here, the evil servant goes, and, and what does he do? He looks at the king, and he just received the forgiveness of God. He just, he just received the forgiveness of the king. The king was so merciful to him. He forgives him of $2 million worth of debt. But then he goes on the block. And he sees homie who owes him $300 from last week when they went food shopping. And he was like, yo, you got me? He was like, yeah, I got you. And now it's three weeks later and you still haven't paid my $300 that I lent you with couponers. I don't get it, bro. Like, I'm not. What's going on here? Where's my $300? Look what happened. Look what happened. He minimized the grace of the king, and he maximized the debt that was owed. 
Man, I'm looking at this and I'm like, oh my, like, that's me. Like, has I ever been, have you ever come to church? Like, seven, seven months ago? Right? Have you ever come to church? Like, like, and like, you're, like you're singing the songs and you're receiving the mercy of the king and you're so grateful for the love of God over your life and you're like, oh my God. You're like, spirit break out. Mocos and everything. Like, you're crying. Everything. Like, everything is gooey. Right? And you're like, spirit break out. But you go home, you're singing another song. Spirit break. Go home. Offend me, I'll break you down. Right? Have you ever done that? Like you, like you receive, like I love receiving the grace of God. This is what this servant did. He received the grace of the king and he went and yoked somebody else up. I'm like, how many times has that been me? I've been in the church clapping my hands, boogers coming out, saying, Lord, thank you, go home. And I'm yoking Lisa up. Not literally, maybe in my sleep because I have sleeping <laughs> issues. How many times, right? Like, right. there's no shadow you won't light up. Anybody like that song? Mountain you won't climb up. There's no wall you won't kick down. Lie you won't tear down. And some of us like this. <laughs> we go home. Oh, the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless pain you caused. That was funny. I don't care what you said. I was funny right there. I'm just saying. That was funny. Everybody online is laughing at home, drinking their coffee. That was funny right there. It took me about two minutes to think about that, but that was funny. Like, how many times in my own life have, have I minimized the grace of God over my life and maximized the offenses of others? Can't tell you how many times that I've maximized Lisa's offense to me over God's grace over me. And when you understand that forgiveness is unconditional, true forgiveness, real forgiveness is unconditional, you are declaring, you are proclaiming that God's grace towards me is bigger than the offense committed against me. I think we need to say that in this room. Someone shout this with me. Say, God's grace towards me, grace towards me. is bigger than their offense against me. Somebody needs to say it like they mean it. God's grace towards me, grace towards me. is bigger than the offense committed on me. Can I tell you something? When they talk about you, God's grace towards me is bigger than the offense committed against me. When they gossip about you, God's grace towards me is bigger than the offense committed against me. When they lie about you, God's grace towards me is bigger than the offense committed against me. When they disappoint you, God's grace towards me is bigger than any offense committed against me. Listen to me. For our married folk, you will never forgive your wife more than God has forgiven you. Wife, you will never forgive your husband 
for the sins he's committed against you, then God has forgiven you for the sins you've committed against him. God's grace towards me is bigger the offense committed against me. Does anybody believe that in this place? This is the love of the king. The, the love of the king is, is in Psalms chapter 103, verse 8. It says, he is merciful and tender towards those who don't deserve it. He is slow to angry, and he's full of kindness and love. He never bears a grudge, nor remains angry forever. He has not punished us as we deserve for all our sins, for his mercy towards us, for his mercy towards those who fear and honor him is great as thy height of the heavens and above the earth. He has removed our sin as far as the east is from the west. So I don't know about you, but I removed Lisa's sins like as far as the living room from the kitchen. I'm God says, I've taken your hunk of sin and I've removed it from me as far as the east from the west. I have removed it from me. He is like a father to us, tender and sympathetic to those who revere him. For he knows we are but dust. God's grace towards me is bigger than any offense committed against me. I want you to write number two down. Number two, write this down. I know this is going to be tough, but listen to me. Listen to me. This is what true, genuine, authentic, real forgiveness is. Write this down. Real forgiveness is responding to evil with good. just doing what you guys are doing to me. I'm just looking at you. <laughs> True forgiveness is responding to evil with good. Can I tell you a little secret? You might not know this. God is madly in love with the person that hurt you. you. God is, God is madly in love with your wife, with your partner, with your girlfriend, with your boyfriend, with your fiance, with your significant, he's madly in love with your significant other, even when they're offending you. He's madly in love with your wife when she makes you feel disrespected. Hypothetically, I'm not, you know, that's not me. But. He's madly in love with your husband when he's making you feel unloved. He absolutely loves them. That's why I love the psalm. He says he knows we are none. We're nothing but dust at the end of the day. Without Christ, we're, we're nothing but dust. And so he looks at, he says, hey, man, in their frailty, but I don't just look at them for their frailty. I know that they're nothing but dust, but look what you can create with dust. Do you know that God sees them, but he doesn't see them for their mistakes? I love when I can say, like when I said God is madly, all of you guys were expecting me to say you. 
Because I love that. I love that God loves me. And when God is for me, who is against me, Lisa Remedios, pastora? Right? And that's what we do. We put God on our side, but then we demonize people. And, 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 and God is for you, but he's also for them. See, God loves you, but he also loves them. And what God does is that he chooses to see you not based on your past, your mistakes, or your failures. And you know what he does to, for them? <laughs> he chooses to see them without their past, their mistakes, and their failures. He chooses to see Peter, the one that is preaching and leading 3,000 to his kingdom while he's denying Jesus three times. He chooses to see Saul when he was Saul and murdering people. He chooses to see him as the greatest writer in the New Testament, writing 75% of the New Testament. He chooses to see you not by your mistakes, but by who you are called to be. I wonder what it would look like. Amen. Y'all could join the rest of the church if y'all want to clap too. It's okay to clap. Some of us are ready to go like this. He chooses to see you beyond your mistakes. And the only way we're going to be able to do good, see, see something happens, but I can't see, I can't see past the mistakes, Pastor Roy, I just can't. Like, I've been offended too much. And here's the thing, like, I want, to, I want to be honest with you. If you're dealing with relationships and you have unforgiveness in your heart, you move into another relationship, the face changes. But the situation is the same. The face might change, but the situation remains the same because the condition of your heart has not transformed. And please don't hear this from, from me pointing the finger and looking down on a situation like that. I know what it is. I got married at 20 years old, 20 years old divorced at 27, having to redefine what marriage, uh, re-look at what marriage is in the godly context was just like, what in the world? Because I just knew what, what I was taught. So I'm speaking from a person that has seen the light outside, of, seen the light at the end of the tunnel, seen life after divorce, and be able to stand here and see that five years into the new relationship, I was headed into divorce. But we had to choose to not see the mistakes and the failures and see them by their godly potential. And, 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 and this is, and the way you do that is by doing good. See, look what the Bible says. The Bible says, I'm going to read this for us. It says, I say to you, in Luke chapter 6, it says, I say to you who hear me, love those who work against you. Do good to those who hate you. Respect and give thanks to those who try to bring bad to you. Pray for those who make it very hard for you. Why? Why? Why should I? Right? Why should I? Oh, that's right, because it was done for you by God. It's, it's been done for you by God. Because, because the Bible says that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He, he did the good. He responded to evil with, with good. He responded to 
evil with grace. He responded to evil with love. And let me tell you, you start, I don't even like praying for Lisa. You know why? Because it has never failed. When I pray for Lisa, God begins to change my heart. Because I know, right, like, I want to I stay upset at her. Don't judge me. You know exactly what I mean. Like, no, I don't want to pray right now because I know if I pray, God's going to talk to me and then I'm going to say I'm sorry. And I don't want to say I'm sorry. I want to stay mad. And this is how I talk when I'm mad. But, but when you begin to pray, God begins. There's something that happens when you, do, you begin to do good to people that have hurt you. I've learned how to take joy in it. Like, I've learned how to just look at people, and I know that they were talking about me, and I know that they said, I know, and I just love on them. Why? Because I know that without Christ, they're just dust. And I know that, I know that I've been imperfect, and God has forgiven me of bigger things. I know it. I know it. So, so to me, it's like, you just, you begin, and then, and then God begins to open your eyes to see them the way he does. You begin, you begin to see them with the eyes of God's grace. You begin to see them with eyes of compassion. You don't get upset when somebody says something about you. You don't get upset. You just, you just begin to see them because you are now responding to evil with good. And, and there, was this, there was this woman, a counselor shares this story. And the woman uh, comes to the counselor and he says, listen, I, um, I want a divorce. She comes to the counselor like, I'm done. Like, have you ever been done 15 times? Okay, all right. I'm ready. You know, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Like, I'm, it's over for the 15th time, I'm saying. There's some things I've done. I've done, I've, I've been done in relationships like 15 times. And I've been done with diets like 15 times as well. Okay? This woman's like, I'm done. I'm, I'm done. It's over. I don't, I don't want, I, he's hurt me way too much. This is way, this, I'm, I'm done. I'm tired of waiting, him, waiting for him to change. And this woman is just completely overtaken by emotion. At that moment, she's talking to her counselor. She's like, I'm done. I, I just want revenge. I want him to feel the pain that he caused me. I want him to feel the betrayal that he placed in my heart. I want him to feel exactly the way I'm feeling now. I'm done. And the counselor says, hey, I, I I get it. I see you're upset. And the wise counselor, he says, here's what I want you to do. I, I, I would like, I, 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 would, I would okay the, the divorce if that's what you want. She goes, no, no, no. I, I, I don't want to just get a divorce. I want him. I want revenge. I want, to feel, I want him to feel everything that I feel right now. He's like, I can't really advise you on that. Sorry. You know, I'm sorry. She's like, okay. She calls him up. He calls her up. The next day, she goes, I think I got a, a plan for you. Here's what you're going to do to get revenge. I want you to make him fall in love with you for the next six months. And when you do, right there, when he's at the brim of your words, when he's goo goo ga ga all over you, you say, poof, here he goes. The papers. She's like, oh, my God, that's brilliant. She's like, I'm going to do that right now. Like, I'm going to go and I'm going to make, matter of fact, I know what outfits I need to wear. I know the breakfast I need to make. I know exactly the movies he likes to 
watch. I know that I know that he's I'm gonna do the things that he enjoys. And for the next six months, this woman strategizes to, to start doing the things that would make him fall in love. Six months down the line, the 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 counselor calls and he says, hey, I just wanted to check up on you and see how you were doing. I know that it's about this time that you said that you were going to divorce. And I just want to check about how, how it went. Now, this is the counselor sharing this story. He says, I just want to check how it went. And she goes, oh, no, no. The craziest thing happened. I just started doing these good things to him. And, and I don't know, something started happening in my heart. Like I, would, I, was, I was thinking about him and I was making him breakfast. And when I started making him breakfast, I started having compassion for him. And when I started having compassion for him, I started saying nice things to him. And when I started saying nice things to him, it was weird because then he started saying nice things to me. And now we started talking more and now he started opening up to me and he felt like, like, like he was talking to me, but I wasn't going to judge him. And I wasn't going to criticize him or complain him or try to fix him as he was sharing these things with me. And then I began to love him again. Matter of fact, Doc, we're on a cruise right now. We're in the middle of vacation. Sorry, I thought you were vending suit. All the Spanish people caught that later. Like, I was like, I can't, I, gotta, I actually got to go right now because we're in our, we're on our vacation. We're on a cruise and we are having the time of our lives. Doc, some way your advice saved my marriage. Why? Because something begins to happen when you begin to respond to evil with good. Maybe what your significant other needs is not for you to show them how wrong they are. It's simply for you to show them the grace that God has given you. And in doing so, God will reveal to them how wrong they are because of his goodness, because of his mercy, because of his everlasting love. Does anybody believe that in this place with me? As the worship team comes up, I want to close with this last verse. Number three, real forgiveness is responding to evil with good. That's number two. And number three, real forgiveness is being positioned to forgive again. Real forgiveness is being positioned. Well, Pastor, I don't, I don't get what does that mean. It means this, that many times we, we, we get to the extent of forgiveness. And when we get to the extent of forgiveness, we draw the line and the extent, the epitome of our forgiveness is this. I forgive, I forgive, but I'm not positioned to forgive again. In fact, I forgive, I'm going to let it go, but I'm positioned almost to be offended again. Right? So it's almost like you're, it's almost like you're waiting for the next time that they're going to do that. And then you jump into a new relationship, and, and, and it's a new relationship, different face. And you're thinking the same thing. Oh, like, I'm just waiting. I'm, I'm just waiting for this one to fail. I'm just waiting for them to offend me. I'm just waiting for them to say the wrong thing. And many times when we, when we think we've forgiven, we only draw on the line to be offended again. And what we do is that we position ourselves 
to be offended again. And what happens is that we pick up rocks because we're ready to stone the people that have sinned against us. But we don't understand that the tighter you grip that rock, the more pain you cause to your hand. And too many of us are holding on to the rocks, getting ready to stone people that have sinned against us. We're positioned to be offended and we are positioned to offend others right back because we have taught ourselves to be reactors to what people have done to us instead of responders to what God's grace has done for us. God's saying, let it go. Position yourself to. Position yourself to forgive again. See, when you forgive, you just say, well, that's, that's it. I've had it up to here. But God says, no, you're going to have to forgive. You're going to have to give when they wrong you. And they recognize it. But you're also going to have to give when they wrong you and they don't recognize it. You're going to have to you're going to have to forgive when they wrong you. God true forgiveness. God calls us to forgive when they've wronged us. But watch this. And they know it, but they won't ever apologize. See, but if you're prioritizing your heart, what you're saying is that I sometimes in order for your heart to heal you will have to forgive people who are never sorry and accept apologies that were never given. Sometimes you just got to forgive, not because of what they did to you and why they didn't do to you, but because of what God has done for you. If you've been a recipient of God's grace, then God says, don't let that grace just rot in your presence. Extend it to someone else. I just want to say this, just a quick testimony. Lisa and I, for the first five years of our marriage, we struggled at the fifth year of our marriage. We knew our kids don't even know this because when you're a Christian, you know how to hide things very well. We're the best. We're the best. I've been taught how to hide things since I was a kid. We are the best at, at, at hiding stuff. The first five years of our relationship, we, it was rocky, it was shaky, and at the five-year mark, we knew that something had to happen or it was over. We thought to ourselves, well, what's going to happen with the church? And she's like, I'll take you to child support for Kuhau. And I'm like, I don't think you could do that. And, and we just had dealt with a lot of unforgiveness, a lot of unforgiveness. I mean so much bitterness and resentment was caught in this marriage there's so many things that in in me not appreciating the woman of God that God has given me I knew all I knew how to preach I knew how to pastor but I knew not to be a husband I think we need to get a license for that please can we do like it's crazy how so many times we try to get in a relationship we don't even know how to drive one it's like ooh, he's cute Where's your license? She fine. Where's your license? Where's the four-year program that you went through? Hey, can I tell you, if you want to be in a healthy relationship, sign up for Matrix tomorrow. I promise you, it'll transform the way you do relationships. 
Lisa and I, by the grace of God, at the fifth year, we knew we needed help. We sought counseling. Counseling came our way. We, we still, four years later, we are doing counseling. Four years later. It was a freedom series that we did here in this church, Finding Freedom. I was like, God's going to set people free. God's like, no, I'm going to set you free. And Matrix for nine months. And in that moment, let me tell you what happened. Lisa had so much bitter. Look at this. Yo, you're fine. Que linda. Lisa had so much anger and, and resentment towards me. And I know what you're thinking. How is that possible, Cuente Lindo? But listen, it's true. It's true. And she's like, how is that? How is that? She had so much resentment towards me. And I had already apologized, but the wounds were still there. And she, would, she was dealing with this unforgiveness. She was dealing with this resentment. And it would affect our everyday life. Everyday life. To the point, at one point, I want to be honest, it almost got violent. And we sought the help that we needed. And we were at this mountain retreat called Matrix Conference. And I remember that at the mountain experience, Lee's like just dancing like a like a beautiful little girl. Like she's just like dancing, like all like all like radical and reckless. And I'm like, this is not even on beat, but she's just like beautiful. And she's like like a ballerina before the presence of God. And God is showing me, showing her to me, and he's saying, Look, that's my daughter. I didn't even feel like a husband. I felt like a standby. Like I was just like, okay, you single. Like, what about me? Like, no, that's my daughter. That's my daughter. That's my daughter who you were hurting. That's my daughter who you were offending. That's my daughter who you wounded. And I'm healing her right now. We go to, the, we go to this moment that there is a, a fire pit and we're just talking to each other. And God just overwhelms me in such a way with his goodness that I genuinely felt every ounce of hurt that I, I inflicted her with. And by the grace of God, I apologized to her. And let me tell you right then, it was a supernatural moment. God healed me. God healed her. Now, it's crazy because her response wasn't necessarily the one I wanted. Like, when I said I'm sorry, I wanted her to be like, Vente, papi. Come, come here. I love you too. Look. No. She's like, baby, it's okay. So, I'm like, no, 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 no. We just dealt with this for like five years. Like, what's going on? So we come back and I'm just like analytical brain going crazy. It's like just going crazy, my analytical brain. I'm like, something's wrong. Like I'm one of those people, like everything will be going right. And I'm like, something's wrong. I feel it. And in that moment, I remember letting it go. I said, okay, Lord, I don't know what this is, but I think I'm going to ruin it <laughs> if I don't stop thinking about it. I let it go. Fast forward 24 hours later, we are in the middle of Kuhau service. Anointing is falling. God is moving. He's speaking. Worship is going nuts, bananas. Kind of like it's about to go when we start worshiping again. We're going to give you another chance. And she comes to me and she whispers to my ear, would you forgive me 
for holding this anger and this bitterness against you because no matter what you've done to me, I am not called to hold unforgiveness. Would you forgive me for that? And I begin crying. I say, of course I forgive you. And the Holy Spirit told me, you see, Ro, that's what you were missing yesterday. But I had to remove it and delete it from your thought process because if not, you would have been expecting it yesterday and it wasn't time for her to do it yesterday. Everybody's process is, process is different. God is working on, and now because of that, we've positioned ourselves to learn how to forgive again and again. Because a happy marriage is a marriage of two good forgivers. Why can we forgive? Because God has forgiven us. Can we get up on our feet for a second? If you're here with your, with your mate, if you're here with your partner, I want you to just hold them by the hand. Yeah, 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 yeah. I just believe God is gonna, we're gonna experience some healing here. And, and if, you're, if, you're, if, you're, if your husband, if your wife is not here, would you, would you mind sending them a text? Just tell them you love them. I just wanna make a point of contact. Because I believe that the, the devil is trying to destroy marriages. I believe a healing could take place even right now. Take a moment. You could just send a text message. God's about to do something in this place. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 31 says, Forgive one another the way Christ has forgiven you. This is the moment where the preacher goes and he says, hey, I want you guys to forgive each other. No, no, no. I don't want you to do that right now. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to just begin to think about God's love for you. Can you just close your, close your eyes and bow your heads? Just 60 seconds. Just be, begin to think how good God's been for you. Try, don't be, try not to be distracted. 60 seconds. His love, his love, his love is so good. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, Jesus. You feel that? If you're online right now watching, would you just join us in this exercise? Would you begin to think about God's love for you? Just begin to think. Thank you, God. It's so amazing. Thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for looking at the wrong that I've done and forgiving it by paying it with your price, with the life of your, the price of your life, God. Thank you, thank you. Could we begin now in the next 60 seconds, could just thanking him for it? Come on, open up your mouth right there where you are. We're a loud church, so it's okay to be loud. Just begin to say thank you, Jesus. Thank you for your love. Come on, thank you for your love. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for forgiving me. Thank you, thank you, Lord. Thank you, thank you, Lord. Thank you. We thank you. 
Come on, how many feel the presence of God right now in this place? Thank you, Jesus. Now, as you receive that love, I want to pray for you. And I want you to allow that love to move you to healing through forgiveness. Maybe there's something you haven't shared with your spouse. Maybe there's something you're holding on to. Maybe there's a wedge right now. God is allowing healing to take place right now. I want to pray for you with every eye closed, every head bowed. If you desire for prayer, I want to pray for you from here. I want to pray for you. But if that's you, if you're watching online, you can do the same thing. You can put up an emoji at the count of three. If you say, Pastor Ro, can you pray for me? One, today's your day. Two, Jesus loves you. Three, come on, lift up your hand. If you say, I need, I need prayer, I need healing. Thank you, Jesus. I see the hand, I see the hand, I see the hand. God sees your hand online. You can put your hand right back down. Put it right back down. The Holy Spirit is going to heal in this place. Now, here, here's what I want you to do. Last thing, and we're, and we're going to pray. In your own voice, in your own voice, quietly, you're going to begin the beginning of your healing process and your forgiveness. And with the love that you've just received from God, not yours, the love that you've received from God, you say these words, repeat after me. Say, Lord, thank you for your forgiveness. With this same forgiveness, I forgive. And just say the person's name right there. Quietly, no one needs to hear you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. We're solidifying what God is doing on the inside. The Bible says that when you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart, something's happening in your heart, you're just confessing it. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. God is so wonderful. Now, if you have a desire, if you're tuning in online, if you have a desire to place your faith in Jesus, we'd like to introduce you to a fresh start prayer. That just, it's solidifying on the outside and what God has done on the inside. If that's you, would you just repeat this prayer after me? Matter of fact, you're not going to say it by yourself. Everybody in this room, let's say it together. Say, dear Jesus, thank you for your love. Therefore, I give you my life. I believe that you are the son of God that you died for my sins and rose again on the third day. And from this day forth, I am a new creation in Christ Jesus. In a few moments, we're going to respond in worship. I'm going to pray for you. Heavenly Father, I thank you for every life that's here and lifted up their hands for prayer. Lord, would your Holy Spirit come and your Holy Spirit do what only your Holy Spirit can do. A prayer can't save anybody, Lord. A prayer can't heal anybody. It's only your Spirit that activates that and makes that happen. So let your Holy Spirit do that right now, oh God, in the name of Jesus. Relationships that are wounded, broken, hurt, tra traumatized, oh God, would you begin to fill in the gap, oh God, and heal the wounds, oh God, through forgiveness. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. Our mission here at Christ Uncensored House of Worship is to love God, love people, and love life. 
Kuhau is a place where our story is still being written. Together, we can do more than we can ever do alone. If this message has encouraged you and you wish to partner with us in taking this message all across the world, go to kuhau.com slash give or follow us on any social media platform. Thank you in advance for your support and generosity. Come and begin a whole new journey with us.